I'm going to start off with one question. And if you want to take the time to, to go through and, and join us for this question, I would and love your participation. I want you to think about what is the worst suffering you've ever experienced? What's the worst suffering you've ever experienced? Well, I'm going to let you um, input your answers for this on the, on the slide presentation in a moment. Um, and it's ahaslides.com slash GS for Garrett Street. GS Perfect. It's not a claim to our perfection. It's a note that, uh, to, for us to think about uh, Jesus being made perfect. And that's what we're going to discuss today. AhaSlides.com slash G-S Perfect. Now some of you uh, haven't had long lives, and some of you have had long lives, and so you have a lot to consider. Um, and, and perhaps uh, if there's not, a been a, not ever been a time that you've really suffered, well, then you can uh, maybe put uh, nothing or no time. But many of us have times that we have suffered and uh, I'll let you input that in just a moment. We've got four people who have joined us on the slides. For me, there was a time uh, when I had, is in elementary school in particular, I had these migraine headaches. I could feel it coming on in that eyeball, my right eye. Every once in a while, my left eye, but I'd never get sick from that. But my right eye, it would just build up intensity over time. And a few hours after it started, I was... Um, I was so in such pain that I would, would throw up and then have some relief for just a little bit. And then it would start over again. That was, uh, that was very, very painful physically. But pain doesn't just come physically, does it? So, and here, are the, here is the question that I have for you. What is the worst suffering you've ever experienced? And you can uh, submit your answer over there and you can just make it as succinct as possible uh, there was another time I would uh, the other answer I would give was loneliness there is probably no greater pain than to have loneliness especially when you're surrounded by people I think being lonely in the city is one of the worst ways to suffer some of us the answer has come up of loss um, and there are many times that we can suffer loss in different ways. The biggest loss that we can suffer is a loss of a loved one. I would not be surprised if that is the reference here. The loss of a loved one can be very, very painful, and it might not be lost to death. There are different ways to experience loss. Broken bone. Um, I've had one broken bone, a la, from the help of one of my children, who, whom I still love. <laughs> um, I think he knows that, that I still love him, even though every once in a while I do have to remind him that he broke my bone. The only, the only bone I have ever had broken in my life that I'm aware of, and it came from my son, so, but I've healed finally. So that is, a, and it was just a little tiny one, wasn't it? No, no problem there. So there are many ways that we suffer in life. 
And uh, the Star Wars movie, it just came to me. I almost quoted it. And it wasn't, I don't think, a spirit thing, but uh, perhaps a part of the light side, the force, huh? Is that, you know, it seems to be our lot in life to suffer. I remember uh, years ago, I put that up as a quote for one of the sermons that we, when we were talking about suffering. So we suffer often in life. We experience pain. We experience heartaches. We experience financial losses. We experience um, hopes and dreams being dashed to pieces. There are just many ways that we suffer loss, and there's not anyone who has been, uh, been removed from that kind of loss and heartache and suffering. But my question would be then, as you think about what you suffered, even if you didn't submit an answer, what was it that you learned from that loss? As you go back now, perhaps it's years removed, what did you learn? Maybe you're in the midst of this suffering now. And I'd ask you to consider, is there something that you can learn in the midst of the difficulty? A lot of times, uh, as we go through the suffering, we don't realize that it's an opportunity for us to learn, an opportunity for us to grow. But that is the point, isn't it? And as you think about suffering, as you think about pain, as you think about woes and difficulties in life and the weaknesses that we've had, I'd ask you to consider that there is something for us to learn. And there is one who is the greatest example of that, and that is the one that we speak of today, Jesus. As I was reading through Hebrews chapter 5, the verse that we're primarily getting this, this thought from is verse number 9. It says, and having been made perfect. And I pause for a moment and I'm like, you know, Jesus was always perfect. There was never a time that he was imperfect. How can it possibly say, having been made perfect? Well, he was never imperfect. He never sinned. He never transgressed the the. The desires of God, he was, he was God. So he was always perfect. But I think today as we consider this, there is a way that Jesus became more perfect. And how he did it is interesting because it involves us. Jesus became more perfect. God became more perfect. And it was through the suffering that Jesus experienced, through the great woes and difficulty, the loss, the brokenness that he experienced, that made him the more perfect high priest for us. Because he now understands us. And he now comes to us and he comes in a we can absolutely trust that he cares about us and that he loves us because he has experienced difficulty and suffering just like us so keep this in mind today 
is that Jesus, although he was the son, the father taught him something. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what was suffered. And now I've got to figure out how I can do much of the rest of the sermon without touching this little uh, mouse pad and making my slide go. This is, the, this is the slide for you to consider for the rest of the, the, rest of the time here. And uh, we are going to talk about Jesus being made perfect through what he suffered. Hebrews chapter 5, verse number 7. It reads, In the days of his flesh he offered up both prayers and supplications. Now, I just pause here for a second. Jesus offered up prayers and supplications. Oh, oh man, Jesus was constantly going in prayer to the Father, right? While he was down here in the days of his flesh, while he was down here on earth, while he was walking around in the form of a man, he was constantly finding time to pray to his father. He'd escape to the mountain and go up to find a place of prayer. The Garden of Gethsemane was known, it was a regular place for him to go and pray. He was always praying, but in this particular verse... It seems to be more than just any time he prayed. It says, In the days of his flesh he offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. Strong shouts is literally what that would have been translated. He was praying, giving supplication to God. That idea of supplication is, I need something! And it was with shouts, powerful shouts, strong shouts, and tears. So let us go back to the place that you're reminded of. And this particular verse, I believe, leads us to this place in the Garden of Gethsemane. Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 through 46. We're going to read these two Different renditions, because we get a little bit more of a picture when you put them together. Matthew chapter 6, excuse me, Matthew 26, verse 36. And keep in mind, we have some additional information here that's provided from Hebrews. It's telling us how he prayed in the garden. Loud shouts. Loud cries, calling out to God, to the one who could save him. Calling out and praying with tears. Jesus Christ with tears going to the Father. And here is what happened in the garden. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. And he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible... Let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, 
So you men could not keep watch with me for one hour? Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again a second time and prayed, saying, My father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, your will be done. Again he came and found them sleeping, and their eyes were heavy. And he left them again and went away and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. And that idea of the cup, a cup of wrath, a cup of suffering, that was what was before him to drink. And he did not want to go through with it. There was nothing that said, hey, this is a great thing. Let's, let's try this. This drink will taste really good, Jesus. Oh, he was crying out to the Father. He was pleading with him, save me from this. He was calling out to the God who could save him. With loud shouts, with tears. Three times he prayed. And then he came to the disciples, verse 45, and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand. And the Son of Man is betrayed, being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let us go, be going. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand. The task was before him. His disciples, can you imagine the temptation? They were, they were sleeping. They were at rest. They were given in to the weakness of the flesh. The mind is the willing but the spirit is, but the flesh is weak. And that would have been a temptation to him to, hey, they're giving up. I'm going to give up too. But he doesn't give up. He knew the time was at hand. Now in Luke chapter 22, verses 39 through 46, it says, And he came out and proceeded, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples also followed him. When he arrived at the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and began to pray, saying, By the way, I'll add here, with loud shouts, with this um, uh, strong shouts and cheers, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Now an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. And being in agony, he was praying very fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. When he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping from sorrow. And said to them, why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Jesus offered up both prayers and supplication with strong shouts and tears. Sorry.
loud crying and tears. Jesus didn't want to go through what he went through. He didn't want to suffer what was before him. He was pleading to his father, if there is any way, get me out of this. If there's any way, deliver me. Again, the words of Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, it says he was praying to the one able to save him from death. He wanted deliverance. He wanted to be saved. It's interesting to note in verse number 7, it continues on, and he was heard because of his piety. Because of his reverence to God, because of his fear of the Father, his oneship with him, his, his reverence and respect for what he was there to do, he was heard. His prayers were heard, those cries, those tears. God was there. God heard him. God didn't turn his back against him. God didn't ignore him. God heard him. Because of his piety. Because he respected his father. So I hope everybody gets the message there. You need to respect the father. You need to live a life that is that proves that to be true. Jesus was heard because of his piety. And so the way that sounds, we'd almost expect the very next thing. If God hears somebody, if somebody's crying out to God, you cry out to God, God will hear you and God will deliver you, right? But let's read the scripture. The end of verse 7 says, and he was heard because of his piety. Verse 8, although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. Although he was a son, although God was the father in heaven and he, be, he just could hear the cries of his son, his one and only, his unique, his only begotten son, the one crying out to him. To, for help, for deliverance to be saved. Although he was a son, the answer was no. Scripture informs us of that because it says he learned obedience. He learned obedience from that which he suffered. So the answer was no. Jesus was crying out, save me if you can. If it's your will, well, he knew he could, but the, but the point was, if it's your will. And the response of the father was, I've heard you, and it is my will that we go through with this. So although he was a son, the scripture we're considering on the slide, he learned obedience through what he suffered. He went through with it. He learned obedience. This is an interesting phrase here. As you think about Jesus learned obedience, that word obedience, it's wrapped up in in Scripture in the Old Testament and the New Testament. The, The heart of that, the root of that word is to hear, to listen. That is to obey, to hear. If a father speaks, if a mother speaks, 
You will hear and you will listen. You don't hear and ignore. You hear, you listen, you obey. James says, be quick to listen. In the book of James, be quick to listen. Jesus said, whoever hears these words of mine and does them. You don't just hear and kind of say, oh, that was neat. It's always to hear means to listen. If you really hear, you obey. So Jesus, although he was a son, he had to learn, just like any child does, to obey the Father. So he learned obedience. He learned to listen. God had a plan. God said to do it. Jesus said, I don't want to do it. So this is hard. I don't want to go to the cross. I don't want to take the sins of all mankind upon me. I don't want to suffer the stripes. I don't want the punishment that they deserve. I don't want that. Yet if it's your will, let it be done. And so he went through with it. He learned obedience. This was not an easy thing. He, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Chapter 5 again of Hebrews, verse number 9 continues. And having been made perfect. Having been made perfect. And and so you, you think about this. When he really listened to the Father, even when it was difficult. When he obeyed the Father, even in the midst of suffering. That made him Perfect. And having been made perfect. Jesus was always, so we're getting back to this first question. Now, how, how did the perfect one become perfect? Well, he was always perfect. He wasn't made perfect. No, he was made perfect in the sense that he was even made more perfect because he learned something that he only could have learned at the cross. He became obedient even to the point of death. On a cross, Philippians tells us. Jesus learned obedience. Jesus became more perfect through what he suffered. He was made complete. There was something in this plan that made everything better. Because Jesus suffered. Continuing in chapter 5, verse 9, it says, And having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him. So think about this. He became to all those who actually hear him, who listen to him. The source of eternal salvation, being designated by God as a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. So putting verses 9 and 10 together, having been made perfect... It says that he became the source of eternal salvation and the perfect high priest. He's the high priest. So as you think about this, so if it hadn't been, there was something about this suffering that made him able to be the high priest. We've all, you know, we always heard and we all automatically think when Jesus died on the cross, when he suffered there, that 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 brought unto us eternal life. He died so that we could live. His death, our eternal life. That great exchange that was made there, right? He took our sins, we get his righteousness. 
Okay, but there's something very important, and especially in this letter to the Hebrews, over and over again it talks about high priest, high priest, high priest. So consider for us, consider with me for a second, this idea of high priest. Chapter 4, verse 15 was already talking about this. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. He didn't fail. Jesus in that garden, it goes down to chapter 5 verse 7, in the garden is the high point of this. His suffering was that he was tempted, he was weak. It required an angel to come strengthen him. He... Jesus understands. We talked at the beginning of this lesson about suffering, about pain. And probably for some of us, it takes us back to a a place in our lives where we were hurt terribly. When we were suffering to the point that we didn't, you know, perhaps to the point where we'd rather be dead. That's suffering. And here here is Jesus who wanted suffering taken away from him, but yet... He can now sympathize with us because he went through great and terrible suffering. He went to the cross and he died. He dreaded it, but he suffered it for us. So we, he can sympathize with our weaknesses. We've got a high priest who, who understands us. He's not far removed from us. He's not in heaven just kind of looking down saying, Oh, look at the little people down there. I, you know, they're really troublesome, aren't they? No, he cares. He loves us. He can sympathize with us even in our weaknesses. He gets us. Chapter 4, verse 16, it says, Therefore let us draw near with, the, with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So when we need him because he understands what it's like to be in need. He is a great high priest who will come to our need, give us mercy, give us grace. Isn't that great? You know, he was perfected through this is because he suffered. If he hadn't suffered, he wouldn't be able to do this for us. But now he is, he's able to sympathize with our weaknesses, and he can give us mercy and grace in our time of need. And look at chapter 5, verse 2, and it's kind of speaking generally here of, of high priest. But he fulfills this, fulfills this to the greatest To the highest level. Verse 2 says, He can deal gently with the ignorant and misguided, since he himself also is beset with weakness. Jesus was weak. He knows what it's like to be here. He knows what it's like to just want to give up. I can't do this. I don't know. God, help me. God sent an angel down to strengthen him. He can deal gently with the ignorant and misguided. When we go astray, he comes out and he says, Oh, I get it. I know how hard it is. Come on back. Come follow me. And he is able to do that. He has experienced that that weakness, that temptation to go away. So he he was on the verge of that himself, it seems like. And he says, I get it. Now come follow me. Let me deal with you gently. That's how he is with us. Him being this high priest, 
who can sympathize, who can give grace and mercy, and who can uh, deal with us gently, even when we're ignorant and stupid and have gone astray, started walking away. He is so good. And if he hadn't experienced that in the garden, if he hadn't experienced that cross, he couldn't be that for us. So he was made perfect through suffering. And we're the beneficiaries. He gets us. He understands. And he says, please, I know what you're going through. I know it hurts. I'm going to get you through this. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you Rest, take my yoke upon you. It's not always going to be easy, but take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart and you shall find rest unto your souls. Jesus learned obedience from the things which he suffered. And by doing so, he proves that he loves you, that he understands you and that he cares for you. And he says, and I'm the source of eternal salvation to anyone who will listen to me. I listened to my father and I ended up suffering, but I listened to him and I was eventually delivered. Oh boy, it was hard. Following my steps. Come with me. I'll help you do the same. First Peter 2.21 says, For to you... Who have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Walk with Jesus. It is a wonderful journey with him. and He will always deal gently with you. And if you stray, don't turn don't, when he comes to you and says, come back to me. Come on, come on. I want to help you through it. I know it's tough. Listen to him. Obey him. And follow after the guardian of your souls, Jesus Christ. He's the great high priest. He's the one who can make you right with the Father. If there's anybody here in the church, if you've strayed, and you know Jesus is gently calling you back and saying, come to me, we're happy to pray for you. You let somebody know today, tell us, and we're going to pray. We'll all pray for you. And if there is anybody in the church Anybody present today, anybody present online later, maybe years from now listening to this, and you are hearing Jesus call you, and he's saying, I want to be your great high priest. I'm, I'm the one who understands you and loves you and cares for you, and I can make you right with the Father. Come to me. Let, it, let somebody know. Find out what it means to, uh, to repent of your sins. To live by faith in Christ Jesus. To call upon his name as the one who can save you and who will save you. And then be baptized into him so that you can have your sins washed away and receive his spirit in your life. And then live eternally for him. If that call is to you today, you let somebody know. Make sure you respond. The spirit is spoken. It is up for you to, to hear, to listen.